Good afternoon and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience, she on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. You know, I'm always saying, well, here at Susan Harmon Experience, we we love our brother and, and we want to do that. But honestly, it is so important for us to understand who our brother is at this point, who our sisters are who our relatives all over the planet are, and stop this insane hatred and anger and fear. It is time for love. I love you, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much. The the feeling is mutual, Susan, and good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I mean, you know, there is so much going on. I, I am probably going to be rattling papers, because I have copious notes that we will not be able to get all, all of the notes to today. Um, there's just so much going on. Yeah. And there's a lot that we have got to talk about. What is truth and what isn't truth? The things that are being said even out of the White House that are bald-faced lies, worse than the normal lies that come out of the White House, so bad the General Mattis, who is hardly a flaming liberal no. uh, by any means, uh, is standing up against other generals standing up against. These aren't namby-pamby, oh, let's all love everybody, kumbaya, my lord. Do you know what I mean? No. They are standing up against him. The Lincoln Project, real Republicans, are standing up against this. So um, I thought today would be a good time to define terms, to actually say what these words mean. Because when people throw around words, oh, you're a socialist, you're a communist, you're a, you're a fascist, you're a this, you're a that. Know what the words are that you're using. Understand what they mean. And quit just throwing things out there like they mean something. Um, they don't, always. But they can. And we're going to help with that. And one of the things that I want to bring up, it's uh, 12.05 Pacific time right now. So (laughs) one of the other fine things that is happening today at 12.12, which I find really fascinating, 12.12, that is when the full moon comes in. Uh, The full moon for July, it's a very powerful full moon because it's also an eclipse. And the peak of the eclipse is at 12:25 today, and I bring that up. I was going to talk a little bit more about it, but I'm going to. I'm just going to cut it short on that. Uh, eclipses are all about shadows. Usually, they come in pairs. You have a lunar eclipse. You have a solar eclipse. It's the shadow, and the reason that they seem rare is that you don't see them. Like right now, the eclipse that's happening today cannot be seen. In the United States, in, uh, on this continent, in Europe, it can be seen in Asia and Africa uh, if it's not raining, if it's, do you know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds of impacts. So um, that's why they seem more rare. Like I said, they usually come in pairs. This one is coming today, June the 5th. The next one is June the 20th. And that's a special day. I'm going to announce it now. My younger daughter. Uh, It's her birthday, and it's also summer solstice. So many things to celebrate on June the 20th. And then on July the 4th, 5th, we have the third eclipse in a row. And this uh, series of eclipses marks a whole new series of eclipses. So it's an extremely powerful time. And with all the stuff that's happening astrologically, uh, there's a lot going on. And if you haven't looked out your window... You may not know that there's a lot going on. Um, I did want to bring up that uh, for some of you may know that in Arizona, they lifted uh, most of the bans. Um, They're they're sort of doing caution, not as much as they should. Uh, It's hard to wear a mask if you go to a restaurant. Uh, But I've been to a couple of restaurants. One, none of the staff were wearing masks. In the others, all the staff were wearing masks. Wow. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, if you feel like it, you you can, but you don't have to. So that's a problem. Um, 
you I went and got my hair done Tuesday, which I hadn't done since March. You have to wait in the car until they do it. They do have separation. It's still a little looser than it should be, in my opinion. Uh, there, there was a hairdresser that I don't think she was more than four or five feet away from where my hairdresser was. And uh, she was wearing a mask. I was wearing, but everybody in there, a customer or stylist, is wearing a mask. So that's good. Um, and I'm still a little, you know, about that. And I don't get the whole gym thing. I really don't get the gym thing. Do jumping jacks in your living room, dummy. You can work out anywhere. You can, you can do push-ups. You can do all kinds of things. You don't need a gym, you know. Right. So um, the other thing I want to point out with uh, Arizona having opened up, I know this is going to come as a big shock to you, Eric, but would you believe that COVID-19 just spiked? Oh, shocking. Shocking. <laughs> just is what, it not? Just what all the scientists and medical professionals predicted. Right. But the political people said, well, we've got to open up because we have to have the the, the economy has to get back to track. Right. We have to get people working at subsistent wages, you know. I mean, if they get a couple hundred dollars more for three months, you know, of unemployment, they're going to want more money. Uh, considering that, uh, yeah, employment doesn't look that bad because people are working two or three jobs, you know, right. <laughs> you know, $10, $12 an hour just won't, won't uh, cut it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so COVID-19 spiked. Um, some people are paying attention, people like me who really don't go out very much, uh, you know. And when I do, when I go to the grocery store, I always wear a mask. Um, it doesn't protect me from you but it protects you from me right but if, and, if they're doing it as well everybody's wearing a yes, mask then you're protecting voila, each guess other what happens yeah. exactly we are caring for one another and you know that's really not a bad idea is it that we each care for the other you would think, you know, since we live in a society that that uh, notion would be at the top of people's minds on a daily basis. But unfortunately, it does not seem to be. But it no, does not. So, you know, we have a, a person who is an advertiser on our show, Vast Institute. That's uh, Michelle uh, Sherman's organization. And I've been friends with Michelle for, gosh, many years and she's really a pretty amazing uh, woman. And and today is the day that we do, uh, you know, their segment. It's a taste of original thinking. Yeah. Uh, and it's really good. Um, you know, that's going to be on uh, at the end of the show. So I'm going to wrap up my. The last 15 I, minutes of the program. The last Maybe. 15 minutes of, of our program will be a taste of original thinking. And I just wanted to say, you know, uh, right now, and we'll do a little quick thing just before that, before we, we stop our segment of the show and they, and uh, a taste of original thinking uh, does the last 15 minutes. Um, wow. This segment, uh, we've been playing it the last few months, and it really is a taste of original thinking is really helping a lot of people. Uh, you know, having uh, Michelle's knowledge i mean hearing that knowledge sharing it her wisdom is so uh it's, it's a good thing it's a good thing for for people to know the stuff they do and vast institute i think what's amazing about it it they began with just the simple idea what i do matters so folks seriously with all of the marching and everything that's going on now with uh, letter writing with whatever you do everything you do matters so I really hope you you give a listen to to the passion and the wisdom with which she speaks because uh, this episode is about personal responsibility and how have, using personal responsibility is so empowering. Um, so that follows uh, my many many remarks uh, that will happen today, uh, starting with the fact that uh, Arizona. Welcome to spiking. Um, my friend uh, Alana, uh, that you know has been on the show before, uh, 
lived in New Zealand for a while. And New Zealand has a four-phase thing with COVID-19, you know, phase four, phase three, two, and one. Uh, Washington is a lot looser than than the way New Zealand did it, Hmm. but it's still using the same general phases that that New Zealand is doing. And, And I know the city of Chicago, and there are some other places that are following that format. And it's a good one. Yeah, and King County, uh, where we are right now, or where I am right now, is uh, still in phase one. They're applying for a a kind of go to a a phase 1.5, if you will. Um, So it's not full on phase two, but some of the steps that can be taken in phase two. Uh, looks like that'll be starting soon. And uh, a lot of the counties in Washington are already on phase two. Some of them are looking at um, maybe phase three soon. Pierce County is looking at phase two soon. Um, so we, we are making progress as the the number of cases has dropped. But they're, what they're looking at is how, how many cases there are and how likely it is to be um, – transmitted to more than one person uh, going forward. So, Well, yeah, and it's, and it's really interesting because I read uh, last week sometime that WA1, WA1, which they thought was the very first case in the country, mm-hmm. um, that, it, that, that they could trace and it, it went from that case. And they found out that that wasn't the case, that there were other cases and all. However, what was interesting and why Washington State didn't end up like New York was the people in charge in Washington State went, okay, we got to shut everything down. We got to blah, blah, blah with this one. This thing can spread, you know, looked at China and use some common sense. Right. We, Washington State had a different outcome because of taking that action right away. Exactly. And not having taken it in the East not having it taken it nationally, because we have no leadership. We have no one leading. Bunker Boy is not going to lead us, okay? <laughs> I'm not calling him anything else but Bunker Boy. He doesn't deserve a name. You know, he's just, I'm sorry. I'm not, I can't be polite anymore. I just can't do it. Um, when you destroy my country, you don't get the right to be treated politely. You know, I don't want to hurt you physically. I just don't want you being able to cause all this damage. So that's how I feel. I guess you don't have to wonder how I really feel, right? (laughs) No. I think it's it's well established. uh, Your contempt for 45. (laughs) And I share that. contempt for Bunker Boy. Yeah, I share in that contempt because it's, he's just the worst (laughs) no absolutely absolutely i mean uh, i didn't agree with george bush either of them but gosh they weren't disgusting you know they weren't they weren't against our country right so um yeah and i find it fascinating that today is national gun violence awareness day fascinates me National Gun Violence Awareness Today, when I want to talk about um, the misuse of terms, when I want to say, um, there's so many beautiful things that have been happening with these demonstrations. Of course, again, I'm concerned about social distancing, you know, because there is no social distancing when you're marching down the street. All right. But I look at the folks that were uh, protesting in Olympia, and some of those are friends of mine um, because they believe that COVID-19 is a plot to take their liberty away from them. Um, Just as, as if you stand up in a crowded movie theater and holler fire, if, as we talked about a minute ago, when Eric and I were saying, well, if Eric wears a mask, I wear a mask, then we're both protected because we're both uh, operating from a place that Eric matters to me and Susan matters to Eric. I mean, that's not complicated, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you 
Yeah, but, but but more than that, our fellow human beings. Exactly. Yeah, I, I go into I don't the have to know store. somebody, you exactly. know, personally to you know, care about them, you know, and just <laughs> care about that, you know, if they go on living and I go on living, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, yeah. It's common. It should be. It's common decency. It's common courtesy. Yeah. And, and it's like what I said this to the lady the other day. I was like smiling. I'm wearing a mask. I'm smiling at her. I'm like, I'm smiling under this. <laughs> and then we were both laughing, you know. But, you know, just courtesy. I do that, it, you know, when I'm in the grocery store. I wait and let the person move, you know, before I go to that place I, I want to go. Right. I, I don't have to. What are, what are those few seconds of time going to make? What difference is that going to make in my life? It's not. It's it's just being aware, really. Exactly. Yeah. Looking around you and, and knowing. Respecting oh. your fellow human being. Mm-hmm. So I watched a Netflix series on Jeffrey Epstein um, just recently. And it was really very good. I one of the good things about having Netflix is you, you can watch the whole thing. You know, you don't have to wait for one episode after another. Sure. Watch the whole thing in one sitting. And one of the uh, women who had been um, a young girl when uh, they were really sexually assaulted uh, by a very powerful man. You know, when you give when you give a 14 year old, uh, you know, two or three hundred dollars, that's a lot of money for a 14 year old, you know. Uh, and you don't know, these are the adults, these are powerful people, they're going to help you, they're going to do all these things for you, and uh, so forth. So one of the women, there were a whole group of women who have, have filed suit, and that's moving through the courts still, even though Epstein is dead, it's still moving through the courts. Um, one of the women said, when Judge Berman actually let them speak and listen to them, which had not been, which had not happened previously. And she said, all I ever wanted was for someone to listen, someone to hear me. Hmm. And that's very powerful. And I see that in the marches that are happening. When, when I look at some of the videos that I've seen, um, you know, I, I sat there and cried. I, I have you seen uh, a YouTube video uh, with the officers in Portland taking a knee, with the demonstrators taking a knee? I haven't, but we have seen um, you know several examples of this of uh, uh, different communities where the police are actually uh, marching with the protesters because exactly. they are also fed up with with uh, police brutality, police brutality and racism. Yeah. Right. And I saw one picture that was so beautiful to me. There were two young officers, both with tattoos. Sorry, I get choked up really. Holding up a sign together that said, stop police brutality. To see two uniformed officers holding this sign up said so much to me. So when good police officers stand up, and I will tell you, I saw, oh gosh, the woodcarver who was shot uh, in Seattle uh, some years back. Um, God, this is terrible. I'm blanking on his name. They did the totem pole uh, in dedication to him and all um, up, up in West Seattle. Uh, anyway, when he was shot by that police officer and the woman said, did you just shoot him? They fired him. And here's the thing that, that got me on this. The police, the Seattle police wanted that officer prosecuted. I looked at Nick Met's face when they're standing there on the press thing, and I knew he, he knew that it stuck to high heaven. Mm-hmm. He, he's now the police chief in Aurora, Colorado, but I knew him when he was captain at South Precinct when, when I was, you know, on the uh, citizens uh, board there, you know, working with the police to try to have. We used to have a community police department in Seattle, and it worked really, really well because the, young, the kids would ask me that, that I was doing the uh, anti, uh, you know, the, the gang prevention programs with. They wanted to see police officers in their neighborhoods on bicycles so they would know the officers. The officers would know them. And they would get to know them. So when the people in the community can say, Officer Jones, you know, I saw this blah, blah, blah over here. It didn't look right to me. Then Officer Jones can go investigate. But if you've got nameless guys 
riding past you in a car and glaring at you, you don't have that kind of a relationship. So I would like to see a return to community policing, and I would like to see very much for officers to have liability insurance. We talked about that, remember, with uh, uh, Gentry Lang? Yeah. Uh, li- liability insurance. It makes total sense to me. You know, all these other professions have to have liability insurance. I think that that would solve a lot of problems. Uh, and we don't need the police unions to run everything. They don't have to run it, the, the little top-notch guys in, in that. When good officers don't stand up to bad officers, it makes everybody look bad. So this this incident in Portland that so, just so impressed me, there was a guy, he'd been down in a restaurant, he had a phone, and he saw all these police cars heading in a particular direction in, down in Portland. And he said, oh, God, that's where my car is parked. I need to get over there and get my car moved. And he could hear voices. And then he was hearing applause and people, you know, shining. And he's, like, getting closer. And it, he comes upon the group, the crowd, and there's the, cra- the crowd of protesters, demonstrators, and here are these police officers that had come in this line of cars, and they're all taking a knee. And the demonstrators are taking a knee. And they're reaching towards each other and holding their hands. And then the, the crowd just dispersed. They said, you know, it's the curfew. The crowd dispersed. There was no argument. There was no fight. There was nothing. The crowd dispersed. And he said he turned around and the police were gone. Look what that did. Look at what it accomplished. They didn't have to do gas canisters. They didn't have to use batons. They didn't have to to assault people. They established communication from one heart to another. And, you know, you see that, and that's what, that's policing at its finest. You know, the, the idea that you have to shoot somebody is not a bright idea. I also saw a video in London where um, a machete-wielding guy was going crazy, and they just kept surrounding him, moving back, surrounding him, and they just continued more and more of them coming and surrounding him and moving in a way where he was moving and and they, then they had shields, and they came, and they, they took him down without killing him. It can be done is what I'm saying. It can be done. It's done other places. That is not the solution. And when you say, well, they're just rubber bullets, do you know that they're steel bullets with rubber coverings? Do you know that people bleed out from those things? They're not non-lethal. They're less lethal. But people die from rubber bullets, okay? Or they become injured for life from rubber bullets. It's not like it's not like they're throwing a little a little sponge ball at you. These are strong projectiles. And I I really, really think that it's important. People want to be heard. Uh, one video I saw, oh God, he couldn't have been more than 15 or 16 years old. And the officer is hugging him, and this kid is just crying. A police officer was hugging him. You see what the difference is between love and non-love? Now, I'm saying that, but I'm also going to have to share some news I'm a little concerned about. And I think that it's really important. And this part of this for me is um, why I have issues with Facebook. Um, Did you hear about these private citizens being armed in Snohomish? I've heard a little bit about this. uh, Yeah, there's uh, various instigators um, attaching themselves to the protests, the peaceful protests that are happening. Um, And uh, often they're uh, right-wing extremists that are trying to, you know, cause further trouble. Yeah, you've heard of a group called the Boogaloo Boys? Yes. Yeah. 
Well, for those of you who don't know, the Boogaloo Boys, one of their trademarks is Hawaiian shirts, which drives me crazy because I love Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) How dare you take Hawaiian shirts? But they wear Hawaiian shirts with uh, armor over the Hawaiian shirts. Hmm. And they've been demonstrating in Olympia. And uh, I'd like to say to a couple of my friends, you know who you are, because we've had discussions about this. You going down there and demonstrating, open up, open up. We don't want COVID-19. You're taking our civil liberties away. You're hanging with the wrong people. You are hanging with the wrong people because these people want a race war. They want what they're calling a second civil war. And right now, there's like 125, 100 at least, there's um, 125 Facebook groups devoted to the Boogaloo. And some 60, this is the scary part, folks, some 60% of these were created within the past three months. So just as the states have been declaring lockdowns and social distancing measures, These people have attracted tens of thousands of members in the last 30 days. We have to pay attention. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I want you to pay attention. So in Snohomish, you had armed people in the streets saying they were there to protect businesses. They're the ones who sent out the word that these horrible people, Antifa, 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 It's anti-fascism. It is not a group. They're not smart enough to be a group. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean it that way. They're anti-fascism. Okay? And I really want to go into the definitions of all these things. After we take our break, we're going to come back from the break. And I I want people to know that their words have power. You can't just throw these words around when you don't know what you're talking about. So the president of the United States, he looks at these groups at their at their social media. He does. He listens to these people. They have his ear. He often retweets them. He does continuously. And he retweets, what do we call it? Misinformation? Yeah. Some of us just call it lies. That's the polite way of saying you're lying. Now, people repeating it. That's where the problems really come in because it gets repeated over and over. And then to these people say, I, I will tell you, I had, I think maybe a half a dozen people who said to me, well, you know, they're, uh, they're over-reporting this. They're, they're saying these things are, uh, you know, COVID-19 when they're really not. I'm like, no, it's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. But because of the way the social media works, you know, I look at this and then I send it to 10 of my friends and each of them send it to 20 of their friends. And do you know what I mean? Yep. And there you go. Isn't that what we used to, how we used to play gossip? <laughs> yeah. Or telephone. <laughs> telephone. Yeah. Whatever it was. All right. So we're going to come back because even though this is serious and we need to be aware and do this, it doesn't mean we have to be afraid. Uh, even though I'm going to tell you, some of these people are pretty darn scary. And even though people say we want justice from the police, I don't think there are that many who want to go out and kill police officers. But I will tell you that these right-wing groups hate the police and they want to kill them. But they're going to pretend like they're protesters that are asking for equal rights. That's what they want to come in and act like that's who they are so that they can blame these people and then go after them. And we're going to talk more about this after our break because these are things we need to be aware of and do something to make positive changes in the world. We can do this, folks. There is no reason whatsoever why we can't stop this craziness in its tracks and start living our lives through love. Stay tuned for more of Susan Harmon Experience on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. 
Are you ready to become comfortable in your own skin? The Vast Institute's encouraging curriculum is designed to infuse your world with optimism and creative life solutions. Our four pillars of learning provide a holographic toolkit taking you to the next level. If you're ready to experience a quality of life currently beyond your imagination, call us at 206-935-7872 or visit our website at vastinstitute.com to discover how to enrich your life at work or play. From Susan Harmon's private collection, these rare finds are now available for purchase until the end of June 2020. Quartz crystals that are large generators, rare Antarctic crystals with only three available, Russian phenakite, just one amazing specimen left, Czech moldavite of medium-sized high-quality pieces, and various spears. Check out the pictures at Susan Harmon's Facebook page or email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206 206- 8535225 that's 2068535225 on friday manson mitchell welcomed nicole strickland to talk about the latest trends in ghost research and some of her case studies on saturday christopher hill who chronicled the hippie movement in his book into the mystic compares the 1960s to today's protests. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Susan Harmon is offering a 20% discount on a bi-locality session if booked by June 15, 2020. Social distancing? No problem. You receive the energy in one location while Susan uses stones and sound in the pyramid at another location. To book your session or to ask about a three-session special, email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206-853-5225. That's 206-853-5225. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Susan Harmon Experience. Even though there are some very serious things going on in the world, we can still uh, have hunt. So when um, a friend of mine, a person I really care about, said, you know, these blankety-blank, you know, like, uh, <laughs> what are they? Fascist, anti-fascist, Antifas. Mm-hmm. First of all, folks, need to know something. Need to, uh, This is on a need-to-know basis, and you need to know there is no such organization there are people who are anti-fascist. They are against fascism. They're not organized, and they certainly aren't terrorists. They're, 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 they're wimpy little hippies like me, okay? <laughs> wimpy enough to stand up and march down the street and, you know, and, and stand up for what's right. But there is no terrorist organization called Antifa or Antifa. I mean, and so some of the things, if you're reading this on Facebook, you need to pay attention because it simply isn't true. And uh, so define the terms. I was looking at, at, at different terms and how they're defined. And so it says, Antifa is an umbrella term for left-wing anti-fascist political activist movement in the United States that comprises autonomous activist groups that aim to achieve their political objectives through the, root, the through the use of direct action rather than through policy reform. That means that they get out and demonstrate. Okay, so we turn around and then we have to look at what what are definitions of other things. Well, for those of you who don't know, Bill and Hillary Clinton were Barry Goldwater conservatives. People that call themselves conservatives today usually don't fit this this definition. The Webster's Dictionary, a conservative is one who holds to traditional values and attitudes. They're cautious about change or innovation. Right? That's a conservative. A reactionary, on the other hand, opposes political or social liberalization or reform. A reactionary doesn't want any change. They don't want anything. They want everything just to to be that. A progressive is a person who is is implementing favorable social reforms 
and liberal ideas. So that's what a progressive is. Now, I'm going to give you the definition of a fascism so you understand why these folks that are anti-fascist don't like fascism. Fascism is far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalism, characterized by dictatorial power, forcible oppression of opposition, like calling out the military, as well as strong regimentation of society and the economy. Now, folks, if you don't think we're not living in a fascist state, you need to relook. Now, we can regain our democracy, and our form of government is not a strict democracy, but it definitely is, you know, democratic leaning. It we have a little more complicated form of, of government here. It's a republic. We have a republic, but it's a republic uh, democracy. So a republic is a state in which supreme power is held by the people and their elected representatives and which has an elected nominated president rather than a monarch. So it's a group with a certain equality between its members, okay? Uh, that's 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 an important definition of, of a republic. A democracy is a form of government in which the people have the authority to choose their government governing legislation. OK, we pick the people that make our laws, who people are and how authority is shared among the among them are core issues for democratic theory, development, and constitution. So the idea of our of our government is that we're a republic, uh, that supreme power is held by the people and their elected representatives. We have a lot of problems with how we do that. We have got to get rid of the electoral college because it is not helping us. We have got to get rid of gerrymandering. We cannot continue to suppress the vote. If you feel that yours is the right position and it's the correct way to do things, well, then it's very easy to, you know, then we'll just all vote. And what people want, that's what they'll end up getting. Um, it's interesting. There's a, there's a guy at the UCLA School of Law. His name is Eugene, and I'm probably mispronouncing this, Volokh, V-O-L-O-K-H. He says, the United States exemplifies the very nature of a constitutional republic, a country where some decisions, often local, are made by direct uh, democratic authoritarian uh, processes, while others, often federal, are made by democratically elected representatives. So we have more uh, uh, direct action locally and more representative action federally and that and that makes sense which is very different than authoritarian authoritarian governments favor or enforcing strict obedience to authority especially that of the government at the expense of personal freedom the transition from an authoritarian to a democratic regime is one we usually talk about but we rarely talk about the transition from a democratic to an authoritarian uh, which basically folks is where we are now and and this is why I say to you, it's extremely important that you vote. I don't care how you do it. You know, we had a couple of young guys that I love dearly on the show who are millennials. And they're saying things like, um, well, I, I need to live my life. I said, yes, but you still have a social contract. And it's super important that you honor that social contract. So. We could go into more about what communism actually is and what socialism actually is. We are almost running out of time. But I think it's really important for you to understand, like, communism is an ideology. Uh, the ultimate goal is the establishment of a society where socioeconomic order, structure, uh, uh, blah, 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 ownership of the means of production are held by uh, and by the people, by the workers, and there's no social classes. That's the ultimate goal. But often uh, in communism, it doesn't get to that place. So uh, uh, they want to create a stateless, classless society. It's The idea is great. It's just that the bourgeoisie, the ruling class, they own 
the means of production, and we've moved more and more into that. So it is important why people confuse socialism and communism. In Marxist theory, a transitional society, social state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism is what socialism is called. So that's that's in a, in the Marxist view. So that's why it's uh, very interesting. I'm not going to go into the differences in different types of libertarians. Yeah, unfortunately, because, we don't have time. <laughs> yeah, we don't have time to do that. But we will discuss more of this at, at some other time. But folks, look this stuff up. Don't throw these words around and not know what they mean. Um, and while you're celebrating the eclipse had the full moon and listening to Michelle Sherman, who is a very wise and very, and, and, and listen, she's got good stuff to stay, but you can dance and that's good exercise. So folks keep on dancing. Welcome to the Vast Institute's A Taste of Original Thinking podcast series. My name is Michelle Sherman, and we are happy to be here today to discuss with you personal responsibility. Vast believes that becoming more successful at being authentic, you will create an amazing quality of life and a quality of life of those for those around you. Today we have fresh insights uh, and approaches to share. That is why we call this original thinking. Our favorite thought leader, Albert Einstein, said, we cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking we used when we created them. This podcast is our commitment to showing that there are other ways of solving problems. There are much more uh, compassionate, intellectually gifted ways of making things happen than we have uh, that are beyond our imagination. And so if something's beyond our imagination, we have to work on becoming an original thinker. Have you ever been stuck? while trying to solve an intractable problem? Well, it's because our minds flow like rivers. They go where they have been before. This curriculum is designed to liberate you from the unwanted eddies of, of life in self-awareness, optimism, consciousness studies, authenticity. We want leaders We want who are emotionally intelligent. We want to be supportive. The fact that we're all human beings doing our very best and if we could improve our approach, our skill sets, the outcomes will be much greater. Original thinking. Original thinking is an important part of how we will solve today's problems. And personal responsibility, what I do matters is the vast tagline, is one of the key components. So personal responsibility. Why do we have what I do matters as our tagline. Why is it that important? I want people to understand that it's not easy taking responsibility for your choices and your actions, but when you do, it makes life work more smoothly. You're able to create rules of the road. You're able to make agreements with people, and then in keeping those agreements, you're able to build trust. When you build trust, you can create synergy and outcomes that are beyond your imagination. And it's a wonderful thing because uh, I remember growing up, I'm one of those people that has always been extremely uh, committed to honesty. It just felt right. It was hard for me to lie and it was hard for me to tell people things that weren't true. It made me uncomfortable and ill. Not everybody's wired that way. I'm not we're posing it as a morality issue. I'm posing it as a, it just was hard for me to fib and lie. And uh, people could tell on my face and it was one of those things. So honesty is something that's kind of hardwired into me. It's practical. And keeping my word to the best of my ability has been important. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm always willing to take responsibility for it. And what I want to say is, as a result, people learn to trust you. They learn to trust that you will pay your bills. They learn to trust that you will pick them up and take them to the airport. They learn to trust that you will be thinking of solving that problem that you promised. And so I have always subscribed to wanting to keep my word to the best of my ability and be impeccable with it. That is just one example of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is only available to those people who understand that they have an impact on the world, that they're actions have intended and unintended consequences. 
that each of us in going about our day and driving or walking or or staying right physical distance from the people that we care about, the people we're supporting, whatever we're doing, if we can be trusted then uh, to do what we say we're going to do, then people can then go about and make assumptions. They can make assumptions and they can make it work. It's much better for each of us to know what we can count on and who has our back. People who want to improve the world, and I have to say, you need to own it, whether you're an adult human being who wants to improve the world or exploit it. I've had a lot of people my whole life, because of my penchant for honesty, say to me, hey, you know what, Michelle? Everybody does it. Everybody cheats on this. Everybody cheats on that. Everybody does this. Everybody does that. And it just, you know, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes, but golly gee willikers to intentionally hurt or harm someone and is just not my style. So I would consider myself to be an improver. So people who want to improve the world understand that when they take personal responsibility, they are taking personal responsibility so they can enhance the quality of life on the planet. They can enhance the quality of the world that they touch and who's around them. And then there are folks who like to exploit and not keep their word. And that's where chaos prevails. When I'm working with clients and business associates, I'm always wanting to work with people who keep their word or renegotiate it. So with that in mind, it's important to to decide whether you're someone who wants to improve a situation or what your motives are. Because in understanding your motives, making yourself look good, making somebody else look good, whatever the motives are, you are able to then take responsibility for it. And you can make new choices anytime you want. The thing about folks who exploit people believing that they should keep their word is they have a tendency to blame other people. And there's a certain level of self-awareness that we each must decide and choose for ourselves in order to take responsibility. And I did some research and found out that it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. There are gentlemen from Stanford University who did research and realized that there's a cognitive bias in which people with low ability at a particular task overestimate that ability. And so it's like an illusion of superiority And it comes from inability to recognize their lack of ability. So what I'm saying is there are some people who are so preoccupied or so poorly prepared for situations that they don't realize how poorly they're doing. And one of the interpretations of the uh, research is that you have to be intellectual enough or you have to have a certain level of intellect in order to understand that you might not understand something. And so this explains why there are folks on the planet and folks in your life and folks in the neighborhood and folks on, uh, in your business and folks at the PTA and folks in your neighborhood association who may not know anything about anything, but whenever given the opportunity, go out of their way to explain to you how they know better than you do. And they might, but they might also be someone who is unable to identify what they're talking about and how to approach it. And so you need to have a certain level of commitment and self-awareness to be aware of what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. And so we at the Vast Institute care very much about people wanting to go from that lack of understanding to becoming understanding of what is theirs to do. And that's, that's how you do it. So how do people go about taking responsibility? And, and I think it should be a joyful endeavor. Those of us who care and understand that our actions have implications, that we are powerful, uh, and take pride and joy in the fact that, you know, what we do in the world uh, affects others, ourselves, our families, our community. Well, we make more intentional choices. I believe we make choices that include the welfare of others because we've taken a moment to think about it. So, for example, in in front of my home, I'm responsible for making sure that even though it's the city street, it's in front of my home. So I take responsibility for cleaning it up when it snows and there's ice. Now, I am a good neighbor. I wouldn't want anyone to hurt themselves or harm themselves. That's I'm taking responsibility for it. Sometimes we take responsibility for things that are not ours. And other times we take responsibility 
for things that we should. And don't take responsibility for things that we should. It's, uh, it's one of those human opportunities to learn on an ongoing basis. So when you do choose to take personal responsibility, what that does for you is that allows you to then track whether or not you have kept your word to yourself. And in keeping your word to yourself and to others, you build self-trust. And once you build self-trust, you are on your way to creating a much better quality of life. So you need to define, first thing you need to do, if you want to be personally responsible, is define what you want to be responsible for. Do you want to be responsible for building a bridge? (laughs) Do you want to be responsible for caring about the people or feeding the people in your community? Do you want to be responsible for yourself and nothing else? Do you want to be responsible for yourself and after you are cared for, be responsible to make sure you enhance the quality of life in your neighborhood? Well, you get to decide what you want to be responsible for and how you will go about doing that. For example, I pay my bills and I I just don't have to be concerned. I know that I'm responsible. Uh, When I've been in the situation where I've not been able to pay them, I have had to renegotiate them in my life. And people have been very kind and understanding And I can say that I have kept my word and I have been able to take care of my obligations. I'm very proud of that. That's something I take pride in. And also, you know, when you know what you're responsible for, you know what you're not responsible for. When people try to blame or foist their opinions on you, for example, the whole concept of if a woman wears a skirt over her knee, is she responsible for somebody attacking her? No, absolutely not. Wearing a skirt is not the same as somebody violently engaging with you. Those are very different. But if you don't take responsibility for your actions, then you can start blaming people. You can blame people for a variety of things. And blame is usually something that we do when we are uncomfortable taking responsibility. So whenever someone blames someone, it's because they are not brave enough to take responsibility uncomfortable for taking responsibility or have a worldview where they are the eternal victim. And we all have been victimized. I'm not in any way saying that that is untrue. So if you do take responsibility and you do clean up your own mess, what is it that you have in store for you? Well, let me tell you that when you keep your word, you take responsibility and you clean up your own mess and you include people in that, people start trusting you and you start trusting yourself. And all of a sudden, you're able to accomplish much greater outcomes. And you have gone from being just an individual to being what I would call an influencer. Influencers are people that can be counted on. There are influencers of all types, but the type of influencer is somebody who has a great reputation, which is another conversation, knows what they want, and is willing to take responsibility. So if you have a reputation for keeping your word, congratulations. If you have a reputation for being brutally honest, even when people don't want to hear it in a gentle and kind, respectful way, congratulations. If you have a reputation for a variety of things that are encouraging, congratulations. And if you have a reputation for things that are negative, well, At least we know who we're dealing with. Personal responsibility is about being a good human being on the planet and how to improve the quality of life by just knowing that what you do matters. So we've built the vast institute around that premise that what I do matters. This idea and original thinking is about, it's it's a piece of a mosaic that will improve the quality of your life. If you'd like more information, please join us at Vast Institute, www.vastinstitute.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. We have monthly meetings and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Mm-hmm.